Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Business Creators Radio Show. My name is Adam Homie. I'm your host, and I'm so excited that you've made the decision to join us once again for a fantastic episode. As the name says, our listeners are business creators, and they fall into one of four different categories, or possibly more than one of four different categories. We have our entrepreneurs, small business owners, and local business owners. We have marketing and business coaches. We have folks who help others build their businesses. These are your designers, your assistants, your strategists, your online business managers. These are anybody who helps others succeed in business by helping them manage your marketing. And then, on the other side of the coin, we have the do-it-yourselfers who love to have your own hands on the marketing levers as you grow your business. If you are one or more of the above, please take a moment, explore episodes, and discover how our guest experts can help you win at the game of business and marketing at www.businesscreatorsradioshow.com. Also, be sure to check us out on iTunes. Just do a search for Business Creators Radio Show. Be sure to subscribe. We post new episodes every week, and every five-star rating is greatly appreciated and helps us help more business creators like you. This week, we're going to be talking about leadership. See, anybody can be a manager, and only certain people can truly be a leader. And what we're going to look into is what it takes to lead a team, whether it's your office team, your virtual team, your business team, your baseball team, your kids' little league team, anywhere where leadership is called for. Now, if you're going to be a business owner, if you're going to be an entrepreneur, if you're going to be a business creator, you have to learn to go above managing and become the kind of person people want to follow. And to show us how to do this, to blaze the trail for us today, we have on board Eric Thurwanger. Eric, welcome aboard. Thanks for having me, Adam. I'm very excited about today. Looking forward to sharing some powerful leadership concepts and strategies with your audience. I've been on the edge of my seat on this one for a while, too, because (laughs) this is something that I think a lot of people miss because of semantics and also because people do not truly define their terms. And I think it all starts there, but, of course, there's more to it. So let me just tell Yeah, let me just tell the audience a little bit about you. Uh, As far as Eric Thurwanger is the founder of Think Great. Eric draws from his experience as a a U.S. Marine, executive business leader, sales professional, and entrepreneur to help organizations to achieve higher levels of success. He uniquely combines leadership development, team building, sales training, and goal setting into strategies and techniques that empower employees, sales teams, leaders, and business owners to exceed expectations. His presentations have been requested for businesses such as Sam's Club, branches of the armed services ranging from the Air National Guard to the U.S. Marine Corps, and charity organizations like the American Cancer Society. As a speaker and consultant, Eric provides organizations with a competitive edge for accomplishing corporate goals and achieving greater results. His training sessions provide team members with the tools needed to achieve new levels of success. With a lasting message of inspiration, he also empowers audiences as he describes his life-changing experience of being his wife's caregiver during her four bouts with cancer. And, Eric, on a personal note, I'd like to thank you for our service to our country. Every time I encounter somebody who has served our country, I'd like to express my appreciation. Oh, you're welcome. I appreciate that. Thank you. Absolutely. Absolutely. Now, before we dive in here, I just kind of read off your official bio, so to speak. What I'd like to give our guests the opportunity to do is, before we dive in, let's just take a quick step back and give those of our listeners who may not have heard of you yet or haven't had a chance to really get to know you a chance to do so. So tell us a little bit about what has brought you to where you are today. I know I read off the official bio, but tell us the story about Eric. Yeah, actually, after the Marine Corps, I went and pursued a 
career in the entertainment industry. I left the Marine Corps in 1991, just after the first Gulf War, and went to college in Southern California. I went to Orange Coast College, attended right. their film program, and then I was accepted to the University of Southern California. I went to their film program, started working in the industry, and then right after that, shortly after that, uh, I married Gina, and 10 months later, she was diagnosed with cancer, oh. and she had about a year battle, and through that, we actually started the process of coming up with the ideas of forming our company simply through the process of how to stay positive during tough times. And it was really a message from her oncologist. After they taught me what to do as a caregiver, they pulled me aside and he said, you know, he needs me to keep her positive. And what that did is really plant the seed in me. You know, as a former Marine, he gave me my orders, keep her positive. Once they gave her chemotherapy, it was really tough. It was challenging to find ways to keep her positive and keep her inspired and motivated. Uh, but he did say it would help her chances of survival. So I tried everything that I could. And finally, one day, I sat with her on the edge of our bed and started to talk about her goals, about buying a home when we could afford to and when she wasn't sick anymore. <clears throat> and you know, we were living in Southern California at the time, so buying a home was a big challenge, especially when you're struggling financially. But we did have a goal, and it sparked the interest in her. And I saw that that goal became very important, not so much just to have the house, but what we were going to do with that house. Now I had to figure out a formula <laughs> to get to that. And so I came up with a formula of taking big goals and shrinking them down into 90-day goals, which ties into boot camp is about 90 days. Yes. And I started using a lot of the principles I learned in the Marine Corps for the goal-setting program, and I was able to position us to buy a house, accomplish that goal, and all the great things that came out of that. And ultimately, even though they had told Gina that she would never be able to have children, um, she was 27 when she was first diagnosed, about six years later, and right after the second diagnosis, she did she did become pregnant. And so we have an eight-year-old daughter now. Um, and that really started me thinking about we have a message to share. And I didn't know how I was going to share it. I just wanted to share a message of thinking differently through tough times and how to help people hit their goals. And honestly, as most business owners can probably attest to, I came up with a name. And I said, I want to teach people to think great. Not think good, but think great during any circumstance. And so I had the idea, and that was about it. I didn't know how I was going to go about it. And I realized the first book really needed to be about how to set and accomplish goals and have that foundation. So we launched the company in 2008, and I started doing a lot of training on that book with military organizations. They actually hired me to train the troops and their families on the power of goal setting during tough times before and after deployment. And so I was going to recruiting stations. I was going to yellow ribbon reintegration programs. I was meeting service members and their families, veterans that serve our country, and sharing this message of setting and accomplishing goals, which actually started to help unify a lot of families and keep them focused on something positive. Well, the word got out, and I started to get referred around, and it became um, evident I needed to take some of the executive background I had as a VP of a post-production company in, in, in Santa Monica, California. And I started to incorporate the goal-setting process to business owners, business leaders, about setting and accomplishing their corporate goals. And the interesting part is what it really boiled down to from a leadership standpoint is that leaders who are focused on accomplishing goals for the company really need to get involved with their teams and learn their team's personal goals because those are the goals that matter most to their team. So <clears throat> the process of setting and accomplishing goals personally and professionally started to become the key focal point. And then after that, I 
wrote a book on sales called 3D Sales. I wrote another book called The Leadership Connection, where I really wanted to tie in resources for organizations to achieve great results. And for me, the foundation always starts with finding out what people's goals are. Then we can position them for success. So that's kind of the nutshell version of it and how it all started, but we turned a very challenging circumstance into the opportunity to reach people. And I often say you can surrender to your circumstances or you can embrace the opportunity. And in this case, we decided to embrace the opportunity of sharing a story and a powerful message and proven strategies and techniques to help individuals, to help businesses set and accomplish important goals. So it was a really defining moment for us, all four diagnoses, but we set and accomplished goals throughout each of them. So that's that's really how we started and what launched us into working with corporations and, and their teams. Well, thank you very much for sharing that with us. That's really a very powerful story. And one of the themes that I kept seeing interwoven with all these events and all these things that happened is the importance of keeping hope and not giving up because yes. you never know. I mean, I have... I know several women who have been told that they cannot have children because of cancer, because of an accident, because of something that happened in the way they grew or were born. And it's so heartening when you find out that you, in fact, can have children or there is a way that you can have a family. So that in itself really touched me personally. Yeah, thank you. Thank you. Absolutely. Now, before we dive into the topic here, there is a question I ask all of our guests. And the reason I ask this is, not only because of the variety of answers I get, but because of the variety of responses. So here goes. Okay. On the Business Creators Radio Show, we provide the tools, techniques, and strategies to help entrepreneurs quickly grow their businesses. And a lot of our listeners tell me they have pretty much everything they need to implement anything that anybody who comes on the Business Creators Radio Show shares with them except for time and money. And how do factors of time and money apply to what you're about to share with us. How can somebody say that time and money gets in the way, and what would you have to say about that? I think that's a great question. And, you know, oftentimes when I meet with business leaders, um, their schedule is a topic of discussion immediately because I believe that how you schedule your day dictates your success. And really you cannot recapture yesterday. Tomorrow never comes, so all you have is today. So what I what I encourage people to do is invest. Right not spend, but invest their time and their money on priority objectives, and then they'll get a return. I think that what I encounter is a lot of people being busy but not productive, and so you you hit the nail on the head earlier. A lot of it is definitions. I work with defining realities for people, defining what their schedule is, defining what success is, and ultimately what I try and transform people into doing is looking at every hour of the day and how they can invest time and money into greater results. Yeah, I think that's a great way of looking at it because I know this is somewhat time-worn, but it is very true. No matter who you are or where you think you are in the spectrum of success and wealth, you have the same 24 hours a day as people who are more wealthy and more successful than you, and you also have the same 24 hours in a day as people who are less wealthy and less successful than you. So you can't really say that time and money themselves are strictly the factors involved uh, because 
I mean, if you look at somebody like uh, like Donald Trump, for instance, he doesn't have 96 hours in his day. He has the same 24 hours as everybody else, and he has to get a good night's sleep. He has to have his three meals a day. He has to spend time with his family. He has to do all these things, and yet he manages to have billions of dollars in investments in properties and golf courses around the world. So I find it a little hard to believe that a person yes. doing their business can't find time to do the things that really matter. And the first question that I personally usually ask is, what are you doing that doesn't matter? Absolutely. And that, you know, really gets down to defining what is busy work and what is productive work. And time and money ultimately can become an excuse because you can find people that accomplish your goals. And this is the power of goal setting. This is where it actually eliminates any excuses on time, on money, on any challenges you have. And I'll actually use, uh, when I first wrote my book, the very first book, The Goal Formula, you know, I could have looked at time. I don't know how to write a book. How much time is this going to take? How much of an investment is this going to take? I could have hidden behind a lot of things. Instead, I chose, I chose to find someone that was an example of success, someone that did it, who had worse circumstances than me. And I always encourage business leaders, let's talk about your goals and find another organization, find another person who's done it under worse circumstances so we can eliminate the mindset that you actually have an excuse. So for me, I found a woman who had written multiple books. She was born in 1880. So she was born before women had the right to vote. So already you have a challenge right there that I don't have to face. The other thing is she got her bachelor's degree at Radcliffe University, uh, Radcliffe College. She ended up becoming an author of 12 books and uh, um, you know, like an international lecturer and speaker. Well, all I wanted to do was write one book. Here was a woman who wrote 12 books. So time and money obviously could have been a factor for her. She wrote 12 books and she had some challenges that I didn't. She was deaf, she was blind, and she was mute. And it was Helen Keller. And when I found that out, every excuse I had, time, money, um, will this book get published? Will it? <laughs> All the things that I thought would be obstacles, I threw out the window, and I wrote my book. So nice. Yeah, and you know, and still to this day, you know, I've written four books. She's written twelve. I have no excuses. So if somebody else can do it, you can do it, and if somebody else can do it with worse circumstances, you can do it sooner than they did. So realistically, it's a choice. I made the choice to write a book. Right. Helen Keller made the choice to write twelve. <laughs> I mean, you know. Right. And she certainly had the excuses that could have prevented her from doing that. Oh, it would have been very easy for her to say, well, I yes. can't see, so I can't write. Poor me. very easy. Yep. Yeah, and, and we, didn't, we didn't have technologies, and we didn't even have computers back in Helen Keller's day, much less softwares that could interpret your voice and type for you. That just didn't exist. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I mean, once I looked at that, I said, what am I afraid of? Nothing. i got to move forward. Right. So, Yep. Right. Now, another thing I think comes up is uh, when we talk about uh, things like time and money, I personally, I, I know this is going to be a little bit of a different question than we were originally planning to start with, but I really have this on my heart here, and I know that you're going to have something great for us to say, is that I find way too often, I've experienced this as an employee, I admit that I've made this mistake in my own business before, I've seen people who I've worked with make mistakes like this, and I think it's understandable, but I think there's something we need to hear from you that I think you'll be able to help us with. I see many times that leadership in and of itself becomes set aside 
as a matter of expediency. When there's a crisis of money or we're on some kind of deadline, we don't have the time, and something else replaces leadership. And I think it has short-term and long-term effects. Uh, what, do you, what do you have to say about that, and how can we avoid those types of situations from happening? Well, I think you're absolutely right. I think sometimes <clears throat> leaders will push the panic button, and then they go into this panic mode instead of leadership mode. And when when your back's against the wall, when the team needs you the most, when you have deadlines, when you have rushes, whatever the emergency is or the perceived emergency is, that's when leadership really needs to come into full swing. In other words, that's when your leadership skills are needed the most. That's when you cannot put them aside. So what I do is I try and, once again, I define what what is the role of a leader within your organization. And I think that's very important. How do you define a leader? Well, a leader coaches, guides, a leader achieves results, a leader mentors people. So leaders are more needed during the tough times than the good times. Leadership, as I learned in the Marine Corps, I experienced it when the first Gulf War was declared. And I realized that I was very fortunate not to be surrounded by managers, but to be surrounded by leaders focused on a purpose. And I think that one of the things I learned in the Marine Corps was, and you could certainly say that was the panic button was hit, when you're in the United States Marine Corps, any branch of service back then, but I was in the Corps, and our nation declares war. That was a big eye-opener, and I was 20 years old. Yeah. Um, So, you know, it's it's a reality check, and at that point you realize, I am so grateful to be surrounded by pure leadership. And one of the reasons that people push leadership aside is because they don't understand it. And some leaders fulfill a position. They're not fulfilling the purpose of leadership, but that's because it hasn't been defined in their organization. When I train people on leadership, the very first question I ask, and it's the first, one of the first chapters in my book is define leadership. What does it mean to be a leader in your organization? And most organizations, if I'm meeting with three, four, five, ten leaders, they'll submit ten different answers. And so organizations that wonder why they get such varying leadership results just have to take a look at one thing first. We have 10 different definitions of what it means to be a leader within our company, and that's why we're getting different leadership results. When you unify leaders under a common definition, traits, principles that define leadership in your organization, then leaders have a foundation to stand upon. But when all they're doing is fulfilling a position, well, I am the VP of such and such, and I'm in a leadership position. When they're just fulfilling the position, they have no purpose to fulfill. So as a business owner, as a business leader, it's our objective to define leadership and define the expectations of what our leadership team is there for. There was never a single doubt in my mind ever of what a leader's role was in the Marine Corps. It was clearly defined. It's been defined since 1775, a year before our country was formed. They've been producing leaders. So there's a lot of great leadership traits that organizations can borrow from a very successful organization that really prides themselves not just on how accurate they fire the weapon, but how they develop leaders, leaders of men and women. And that's a huge point. So when the panic button hits, if somebody doesn't know what to do as a leader, they probably haven't been trained as a leader, developed as a leader. They're just fulfilling a position. Yeah, there is something that I want to pull out of what you just said there. You touched on this, but I'd like to explore in a little more detail. The difference between a manager and a leader. I think these terms get mixed up so often. Absolutely. Um, First of all, let me just say this to all the managers listening. You have the ability to be a great leader. Now, what I learned 
Now, I was in the Marine Corps, then I ran a, a post-production facility, a multi-million dollar facility, and I was a vice president there. I've seen, I've seen management, I've seen leadership, and I'll tell you how I define the difference. Manage the work, lead the people. So you can manage workflow. You can manage how business is processed, but lead people. I have never met in all of my days someone that says, I love to be managed. Yeah. But I have met many, many people that say, I'll follow a great leader. And so when you look at it, look at management as a workflow process and leadership as a people process. And I think that things will start to become clear. And you can't confuse it. You can't lead the work and you can't manage the people. It doesn't work that way. I mean, when you think about it, Moses did not manage his people out of Egypt. He led them. Yes. It just doesn't work the other way. Or in, in our country, our commander-in-chief is the leader of the free world. He's not the manager of the free world. And so leadership always takes a priority. Leadership is the higher law of the two. So the way I use it is I see management and leadership as really two oars in the same boat. You have to row with both. So you've got process and you've got people. And you've got to really establish what the roles are as a manager and as a leader of people. Yeah, and this is something, this is the message I would just love for more people to hear. I've run into this enough times, and particularly back in the days when I used to work for other companies, is this juxtaposition of the terms manager and leader. And I think you defined it very well. A manager manages process, but a leader leads people. And it is possible for somebody to be both if you understand what the terms are. In order to get the job done, in order to make sure our projects arrive on budget and on time, to make sure we meet our goals, there need to be processes in place, and you need to have the management skills to make sure things get done, to course correct when it doesn't go exactly according to the flight plan, to intervene when external factors get involved. But to get people to do it in the first place, you've got to lead them. You've got to make them feel like they want to follow. And as far as that want-to-be managed thing here, I think I probably about had about three conversations today alone where I got the sense that somebody was trying to tell me what to do, and they found out very quickly that that was going to be a pretty uncomfortable conversation if they didn't change course <laughs> exactly. a little bit. Yeah, absolutely. You know, and I think that when you're not trained as a leader and you try and manage people, a lot of managers take a very strong approach that if I bark louder, I'll get things done. And so they end up becoming someone that is not natural to them, who they, who they are. Right. And leadership allows you to study the discipline of leadership. It allows you to study how to guide and course correct people and influence them and inspire them and motivate them to get the job done. So in other words, the more you lead, the less you have to manage. Yeah. I mean, and to me, I've been a facility manager, a ship supervisor. I've, you know, I've done all the branch office manager. But what I did is I made sure that the workload and the workflow was managed at the highest levels of excellence. But the personal approach I put into the people, I got to know them. I got to understand their goals. I got to understand what objectives they were trying to achieve and help guide them on that, on that, on that path personally and professionally and that's where I excelled as a leader, so that the workflow, they took care of that for me. They absolutely 100% had my back, but I had their back as the leader. So it's very important that any managers, any leaders listening to this call understand that it's two completely separate disciplines that overlap, and you can use them to your advantage. It's, but it's, it's like having two different tools in the toolbox. 
Right. You have to understand how to use both of them and what the what the purpose of them is. You know what I liked there is I liked how management and leadership coming from the same source when managed properly and led properly, when we use those tools in that toolbox, the management and the leadership, and we put them, we use them the right ways, actually make it easier to both manage and lead. When you show leadership to your people, you find you have to manage them less because they are bought in, they are invested, they, uh, sure. your success becomes their success. So you're going to find that they're going to keep that train moving. They're going to innovate. They're going to follow the process. They're going to come to you with ways to make the process better, and you're going to get even greater results. Uh, But, however, when you focus on the management, like, well, we have to micromanage and we have to make sure we control everything they do because there's a specific formula we have to follow, I've noticed that – People tend not to stick around uh, too long. Uh, you know, this makes me think of something here. When I first graduated from college, uh, you know, there was an interregnum between graduating college and deciding what kind of graduate school I wanted to go to. I knew I had decided at the last moment it wasn't going to be law school, but I didn't know whether I was going to go for an MBA or a specialized master's. So I took a couple years to explore the world, do some work, have a couple jobs, figure things out, and I got interested in the temporary staffing industry. So I interviewed with a company. Uh, it was supposed to be one of the most established companies with over 20 years in business in the town where I was living at the time. And there were several staffing companies there. So I interviewed with this one company, and one of the perks that I was told uh, was that, and I should have caught this. This was me just wanting to get in the door so bad that I didn't catch this obvious red flag, is in one sentence, my person interviewing me who would turn out to be my supervisor told me that there were 25 people working there. Then she said, if you stayed there a year, you know, after your one-year anniversary, one of the perks of working there would be that they put your name on the front door, like, you know, like you're an established person. But it didn't occur to me at the time to ask, okay, so you have 25 people here, and you tell mm-hmm. me that a perk of staying here more than a year means you get your name on the door. How come there are only four names on the door, two of them are the co-owning partners, and the third one is yours? That's right. And I I accepted that job. I stayed for exactly eight months and 16 days. I celebrate the day that I left as my second birthday, and and I – and the reason for that is because I learned that it's actually possible to walk out on a very bad situation and not have your whole life ruined by it. You know, the whole fear of, well, if you that's quit right. your job without having another job lined up, you're basically screwed. I discovered that's not the case. So it really opened mm-hmm. up something in terms of opportunities. But, boy, yeah. those eight months and 16 days, I mean, if you want to take an entire year's worth of the typical amount of micromanagement a micromanager will give you and live that again every single day, and then they wondered That's why. Right. And then they wondered why they could cycle 23 employees in a year. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. <clears throat> and I think that, you know, the big part is that's their culture. And yeah. for leaders, leaders who want to develop the proper balance between management and leadership, truly need to focus on developing a culture, an environment that supports leadership. You know, here's the funny thing. I've heard many, many people say. After an experience like yours, you know, why did you leave that company? Sometimes it's pay. Sometimes it's management. Oh, I left. I I didn't agree with management. I've never heard anybody say I left because of strong leadership. That's very true. Yeah, that's that's the whole thing. 
Was, and if they do, if, if you ever encounter anybody that says, I'm leaving because of, there was strong leadership there, you probably don't want them. So <laughs> most people leave because they don't feel that they're on the track to hit their goals, that management is getting in the way, or that their pay is off or a combination of both. But when it comes to people, most people leave because of management. They have disagreements with management. And you're right. It's usually macro management, micro management, any form of management. It's not what we want. We want to be led. So it's, it's in everybody's best interest for every organization to invest the time, money, any resources in proper leadership development. It's crucial. It's the foundation of the business. Yeah, that's very true. Now, a number of our listeners who tune into the Business Creators Show regularly have already told me how excited they are to have you here today because they recognize this is being a very important area of study. And I'm going to let them off the hook, and I'm going to tell them it's perfectly okay that you didn't tell me the real reason why. It's because they feel up until now that they themselves have not really exhibited this type of leadership. And they have some of the problems in their organizations. Hey, as I said, sure. I've made mistakes as a leader and as a manager, too. It happens to all of us. So what I think would be really valuable right now is let's say there's somebody listening and they say, yeah, wow, I have micromanaged my people into oblivion and I do have a high turnover rate and yeah. it does feel like I'm pulling teeth just to get my assistant to do what I pay them to do and I'm getting more excuses than results from people who I know have it in them to do better and I hear that they do better for other people, why do I have this problem? Why does it seem like I'm the only person in the world who can't hire any decent people? And right. you know, I think you and I are in sync that there may be a leadership issue there. So you know, yep. let's draw a line under it. Let's turn it around. What do we do? That's right. Well, I'll tell you exactly what you do, and this is not uncommon. I go into many companies that have great intentions. The business owners have phenomenal intentions and actually care about their teams they have just never been trained on how to lead their teams. And I would say for the business owners, the business leaders that are listening now, they're looking to have that dynamic shift in their culture and experience greater results by leadership. I would say there's a couple things. One, you're at a great time of the year. This is goal-setting season. If I ever to have a busy season, this is it. I'm very busy during this time period because everybody's interested in how to turn my New Year's resolutions into accomplished goals. Right. I happen to have a formula for that. And when I meet with leaders at this time period, guess what their teams are thinking about right now? Their teams are thinking about their own personal goals, their own professional goals. A leader that can get in there and, and understand their goals and help position them within their company to accomplish those goals will get greater buy-in, greater retention. Essentially, what leadership is is about changing perceptions. So, the very first step is anyone on this call that's interested in taking their leadership game up, they have to make the decision to plant their flag and make the decision to become a leader. Not just a great manager, not just a great business owner, but a leader. And define what leadership is within their organization. And that's something where when you get down to the, the core of what it means to be a leader and you share that with your team, then you can inspire them. I think that to change the dynamic in an organization really requires the very first step, what I call one of the elite principles or per, one of the elite purposes of a leader, and that is to enhance the perceptions of their team. And that's tough to do. You know, sometimes some of the people have been there a long time. Some of the people are set in with their, with their perceived perceptions. But I want to share real quick, there's, there's a few things. To enhance perceptions, you have to clearly define leadership within your organization and then train and develop your leaders 
to fulfill that definition. Number two is you have to develop a unifying culture. What is the culture of your company? Does it bring people together? Is it an environment that supports their personal and professional development? And the third thing leaders do to enhance perception is identify important goals. And that's really crucial, but it's also great timing right now. Most of the speaking engagements I do for large teams, it's about goal setting right now, about giving them a different perception. But I did want to share something with your teams. How do I define them? being a leader, or in other words, what is my definition of being a leader? Because I've had the privilege and the honor to serve with some of the greatest leaders this country has ever produced. Um, I've had phenomenal leaders. I've had phenomenal leaders during wartime. So I've had it where the rubber meets the road with leadership. I've right. seen it, and I've seen what works, and I've applied it in business. When I was the vice president of the post-production company in Santa Monica, before I received that promotion, 18 months earlier, I was hired entry level. And I got back into the industry after Gina went in remission, and we had gotten things resolved, but technology changed, so I took an entry level position, and I became an entry level aspiring leader. And within 18 months, I built a leadership team, a sales process, and put the company on track to increase sales, annual revenue by 300%. And it was all about defining and training and developing leaders. And I'll share with your team right now my definition for me of what I am as a leader. For me, a leader is a person who clearly outlines a specified destination and guides people there by course correcting and adhering to the greater purpose behind the goals necessary for success. Okay. That's a deep, deep definition. And what that means is leadership, leading, by definition, implies movement. So in other words, if leaders are guiding people, where are you taking them to? What's the destination? The reason that most leaders fail is they're moving, but they don't know what direction they're going in. You have to define the destination. You have to have corporate goals, personal goals, and you have to move your team to a specified destination. If you're moving your team in the right direction, they'll follow you. Leaders who feel alone, who feel like no one's following them, or talking themselves on a journey by themselves, probably don't have a destination that's understood by their team. And that's part of where, in the business world, departmental goals, corporate strategies, the strategic planning process all come into play, and you have a purpose for your company. What are the goals and the objectives? How are we going to get there, and who's leading us there? That's where, for leaders, there's so much opportunity in the company, so much. Because I've never met a business owner that says, well, I don't want to grow. I don't want to make any more money. Right. They want to. They just don't know how. And leaders can help share that vision with them. If you're a business owner, you can, you can start to develop your vision. But ultimately, leadership is about moving people, guiding, and course correcting. That's why you don't manage people. You have to lead them, and you've got to lead them with passion. Absolutely. Absolutely. So uh, as I see it, as I see it, um, when I look at what you just said, I'm seeing a great place where, especially at this time of year, and you know we're you know going into what's known as the holidays. But even if somebody's listening to this on our iTunes podcast in the middle of summer, it's always yep. that time of year 
that you can make a change. There's always something going on in the year because, uh, I mean, if we were having this conversation in July or even the beginning of August, you'd be saying, well, you know, people start thinking about how they're going to close out the year. Labor Day is coming up. Or they may be, yeah, I mean, no matter what, it's always that time of year. I just want to make that point. And there's always an opportunity to draw a line and decide from this point forward that you're going to do things differently. And to me, and tell me if I'm right or wrong about this, or if there's anything else we need to add, that when you have a skeptical workforce, maybe one that's heard this before, somebody who has been entrenched there for a while, or there is a perception of a lack of leadership, and there's a perception that that lack of leadership has come from you, uh, or that you've even been a hindrance to leadership, that it may take a little bit of time, but you do need to be persistently consistent with it and show by your actions that things are going to be different now, that there's going to be leadership now that you're willing to learn and you're willing to grow and you're inviting them for the journey. That's right. In fact, yeah, you're absolutely right. Leadership, the development of leaders takes time. It doesn't happen overnight. And the final destination of leadership is really your main goal, which is developing the leaders underneath you. So, you personally are always striving to get better as a leader, so you're always constantly in motion. It, you don't reach the finish line in your leadership journey. You may reach the finish line with goals and objectives, and but growing as a leader is a it's a never-ending process. You get better at it every day, which means that it actually becomes more natural. Then what you do is as it grows and you develop this culture, you start to build the leaders around you. So a lot of people struggle. A lot of business owners, business leaders struggle they don't understand how to develop people, let alone how to develop leaders. So, you know, it's creating that ecosystem, if you will, in your in your um, business. You know, it, it's like here. I, I, I live in Minnesota. I was raised in California. Um, I can't grow cactus in my front yard in Minnesota. However, <laughs> any more than I can grow a blue spruce, you know, in the desert of California. <laughs> However, if I control the environment – and I created an ecosystem like a greenhouse effect. I can grow anything I want to. So leaders have to identify, once again, that definition of leadership and what do they need to put in place to develop that. And that's the part is that, you know, a farmer that ignores the soil, that ignores the crops, the crops wither and die. So a leader who ignores the team and the development of the team, they will wither and die and they will leave. And they will say, bad management. A leader, however, that gets in there and pays that proper attention to those crops helps them to grow, helps them develop, will stay. And so that, that ecosystem is really, really important. And the way I look at it is this. I always say that leadership starts off about the size of a tomato seed. Okay? The potential is unlimited, though. And, in fact, this, this is crazy. This is a crazy stat. You can take something that's the size of a tomato seed, and in the right environment, you can get it to grow 350 feet high, 26 feet wide, and weigh more than 500 tons. In fact, that's what, in central California to southern Oregon, they have the coastal redwoods. Those, those trees under the right environment start off with a seed, not much bigger than a tomato seed, but they grow to these enormous heights. That's leadership. You have to first plant the seed, though. And then you have to put it in the right environment. And those trees only grow about within a 50-mile um, extension in from the coast and only a certain part up and down California and Oregon. That's it. And with the right environment, they'll grow. And leadership is the same way. The time 
spend the money, the resources that are invested into developing that culture, that ecosystem, that environment can't be understated. I've seen teams, I've coached teams that have 20, 30, 40, 50% annual growth by doing not much more than focusing on leadership because that rising tide of leadership raises all the ships in the fleet right up. And that sends a clear message to the whole team that we are not a managed organization. We are a led organization, and we know where we're going, and we know what our purpose is. And that goes a long way. Imagine people showing up to work with no purpose every day. Uh, you now don't imagine, have to imagine it. I, I've been there. Yeah. Yeah, it's, it's horrible. It's like Night of the Living Dead. <laughs> Zombies showing up, you know? And so leaders breathe life back into those organizations. And you get people that are excited to be there and stand by because your results are about to explode. Now you're going to need to manage your workflow because you're going to have more work coming in. But now you've, you've, you've started by leading the people. They'll handle the rest. You just have to set that. You have to set that leadership gear in motion. So important. Yes, I think th- I think that's really that's really important for us to keep in mind. Uh, so yeah. you've written a book on this called The Leadership Connection. Uh, what inspired you to write that book? I'll tell you the the biggest motivating factor was how many people I saw struggling with leadership that every time I met with somebody, I saw, you know, like when you coach somebody and you talk to somebody about business, sometimes the answer is so crystal clear to us as coaches. And and you realize there's a common theme here that people are missing that connection in their, their workplace. And what I did naturally, because I was taught in the Marine Corps, I applied to every business I ever worked at. It was, very, it was a natural process to me, but it wasn't natural when it first started. I just didn't know any different. Now, the Marine Corps was my first job, uh, first full-time job. And so the interesting thing is, is in that culture, the, like I said, there's no management courses. Right when you're off the bus, you start hearing the words leadership, leadership, the 14 traits of a leader, the 11 uh-huh. you know, principles of a leader, all these things that you hear that then become natural to you and you start to apply it. When you get out of the service, then you go into the civilian sector, you start seeing issues in workplaces, and you go, well, that's a leadership issue right there. Oh, I identify that. And so what I wanted to do, the purpose of writing the book, was to teach people how to make the connection, not just lead, but how to make the connection with the people that help their business, help support their business, run their business, how to, how to make that connection and transform, in other words, make the link between leading and succeeding. So... When I train organizations, it could be Transamerica or Sam's Club, the Air National Guard, the Marine Corps. They all have one thing in common, all these organizations. They want to achieve greater results. In order to achieve greater results, you need leaders, not, not better managers. You need leaders with vision. And so this book was actually the most challenging out of all the books I've written because, you know, when you're setting goals, there's a process. When you're doing sales, there's a process. And, yes, there's a desire and passion behind it all. But every step of the way with leadership, it involves that, that individual circumstance with people and how to guide them and say the right things to inspire them. And so this one actually took me quite a long time to write because I really wanted to give people the blueprints on how to take leadership from the beginning stages to the, to the top levels of becoming a visionary leader and learning how to stretch the vision of your leadership team. So it was a really all-encompassing project for me, and I found myself going back to my roots in the Marine Corps 
and how I applied that stuff in the corporate sector to develop that leadership team that could pull off the impossible, to exceed possibilities. Yeah. Yeah, very true, very true. Um, now, when we think about leadership development in organizations and, you know, what do we – like, how do you – inspire people and how do you lead people who don't want to be led uh, i think you've run into a few of those too that even when you do everything right even if you uh, you know draw the line in the sand and say today things sure. are different uh you're going to have some folks who and believe me i've encountered this in some of the workplaces too they really make it very clear that they don't have the faintest interest in being led they just want it to be 430 so they can leave absolutely and you know a lot of them are really victims of a dismal culture. They've learned how to adapt to a subpar environment. Okay. And, and what I look at there is, you know, let's say they started working at the company five years ago or ten years ago, because typically those aren't your new people that get in and say, wow, I'm brand spanking new here. Don't leave me. Don't touch me. Leave me alone. These are people that are usually dug in pretty deep. They've been there a while. and. Yeah. And they've also seen, witnessed, and been affected by probably poor management, maybe trying to mask itself as leadership, but ultimately came across as poor management, so they're reluctant to it. Um, you know, what I would say in those situations is that you're going to have to, the best way to lead them is by example. And you can't force it because, once again, leadership isn't a forced process. It's about influencing. It's about inspiring so what I do in those organizations like that is I always surround myself with the people that are very focused on becoming better leaders. So you start to form a team of leaders, leaders to develop, and you start to share the leadership traits there. You start to build them up as leaders. What happens is the more leaders you unite, unite together that run a pure leadership system in your organization, the more all the fog goes away, the layers peeled off. And realistically, most people then come around. Very rarely, when you start making a leadership connection within an organization, very rarely do those people continue with their behavior. Some of them, if they're really dead set against leadership, will leave the company. You won't even have to ask them to leave. If they're that uncomfortable with strong leadership, positive leadership, they will leave and some do. But most of them, most of them will rise if the expectations are raised. And that's what leaders are good at, raising expectations. In other words, hey, we know it's been done this way for a long time. doesn't make it right. We're not doing this anymore. And what I always do in these organizations, especially with the stubborn, what I call them the dinosaurs, the guys that are just dug in, I always do a little interview with them and say, hey, how can you make the company better? If it were up to you, what would you do? If they have no answers for me, then really what they tell me is I, I, I have no input. I, I don't even have a purpose here. However, most of them will share some things with you. So I'll go in and I'll start to talk to them and say, you know, if you could redesign the company to make it a better opportunity, what would you do? You know, what have you encountered, positive and negative? I like to hear their thoughts because a lot of them actually have the answers. They have the solutions. They're just holding on to it. They have the solutions and the answers the leader needs to be effective. So they just have to be given a voice. And, you know, some of it you have to take with a grain of salt, but I like to take it all in, look at it, and typically if you grouped all the dinosaurs together, what you're going to have is some common denominators that actually make sense. That as a leader, there's your challenges. Those are some of the first things to overcome. 
And most of them, if they see that the leadership team is making a honest, genuine, authentic effort to make things better, they'll usually team up with you. Some of them just will prove that they're not right for that culture anymore. Right. Once again, they've just they've adapted to a bad culture, you know, so or a low performing culture, I should say. So, when you change the culture, you change you change that environment, and you change their perception. It all starts, you know, it all has to start somewhere. Yeah, because what I wanted to bring out here, and I'm so glad that you shared what you shared, is so often in management philosophy. We see something, sometimes it's stated nicely, sometimes it's stated bluntly, but what it boils down to is, well, fire your deadwood. They don't want to get with the program, there's the door. That's right. And, That's I, right. Think, and, I, and, I, and I think in some cases you're throwing away the baby with the bathwater when you do that. You know, exactly. I think that they're – look, you've got to give them credit for one thing. They've learned how to adapt in an environment without strong leadership. So, okay, so they, they have a strength. You can you can usually get them to start seeing that, you know what, this isn't right that we live like this. This isn't right that we behave like this. But that's where, when it's up to management, management typically comes in and fires everybody and then starts fresh. And then you've what you've established is, well, if anything doesn't go their way, they're going to fire you, so be careful. So what I like is leaders that go in and, Take a look at the situation. Take a look at the environment. Take a look at the culture and see how they can make improvements. Usually, it's by changing their perceptions. Usually, it's by letting them know that their goals are important to you. So there's a lot of techniques that leaders can employ that you don't have to go through the process of firing anybody. You've, here's, the, here's the crazy thing. You've kept them around this long in a dismal culture. Give them a chance to perform in an outstanding culture. But you that's my perception. Very profound there said something very yeah. profound, that uh, if they've been there a while and they've become apathetic and they've become somebody who is uninvested, who's, who spends most of their day sitting there waiting for it to be happy hour, you've got to give them credit for the fact that they've managed to stick around. <laughs> Absolutely. They, 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 have, they have tenacity, if nothing else, to put up with that day after day. So there's, there's some foundation to build on. Sure. And you know what? Leaders, leaders tend to see the potential in others more than they see it in, more than that person sees it in themselves. But that's, that's one of the differences between leadership and management. Leaders pay attention to those things. I used to, what I would do is I would manage workflow. I would look at our workflow and say, how can we improve? How can we improve? How can we improve? Customer satisfaction, customer satisfaction. You know, take care of this order. Let's get our redos and our mistakes down. However, when I looked at the people, I always said, let me look for their strengths. Find, let me find something good in this person, something they might not even see themselves, something that I find of value to my team, and share that with them. And I find that when, when, here's, when managers have meetings, it's usually to say, here's what went wrong. When leaders have meetings, it's usually to say, here's what you're doing right. And that's a big difference. And so you can start to change the culture by look at your meetings you're having. Look at the communication you're having with your team. Is it crystal clear communication where it's you did this wrong, come see me? Or is it dynamic communication where I see so much potential in you? You know, most people aren't told that. Most people aren't praised. And yet it, it'd be, I'd be hard-pressed to find that somebody's with a company that has no positive attributes. Okay? So right. you can find the good in people, and that's what leaders do, and they bring that out. They bring out your skills, just like people did it in us when we were young, when we were climbing up the ladder, if you will, when we were striving to make it. Somebody said they believed in us. 
Right. You know, but then somebody becomes a leader or a manager, and they go, "Well, I'm not, I'm not doing that. It worked for me, but you know, I'm going to fire everybody." Well, that that's a that's a costly mistake to do that. Yeah, you know? yeah. <laughs> I, I, yeah. I had this conversation with somebody once who had just been promoted to uh, manager of a retail store, and he was all happy about his big promotion, and uh, and he was looking forward to uh, having a very successful year and bringing up the numbers. And he said, and all this stuff is going to happen as soon as I fire everybody, because I can't have those <laughs> people who were taught by my predecessor how to do things. I need to get my own people in there. Something That's right. You, you genius. Those are the people that are there. They're, they're the ones that yeah. need to show you how to do it. That's right. Well, you know, it's like, it's like saying my roof is leaking. Let me tear the whole house down. Right. Mm-hmm. Maybe not. Maybe just fix, maybe just patch that up and don't waste your time and money heading down that wrong path. But right. you know what? That's where it takes, that's where it takes a deep belief and a passion. And you know what? The reality is leaders love people. You know if you're going to be a great leader or not. You know if you have the potential to be a great leader if you love people. I love people. Right. And some I love more than others, but <laughs> I love that's people. That. We, we all have that. Yeah. But you know what? I see the good in them, and that, that's why at the heart of what I'm doing, it's all about leadership development. You know, I can help you with workflow processes. I can help you with streamlining, you know, your, your, your internal, your, your infrastructure but the real joy is developing people, not training them, developing them, right. watching them grow, giving them that. You know, the problem is is that most people delegate tasks, but they never delegate the authority that goes with it. And oh, so yeah. they say, well, I gave, I gave them something and they dropped the ball. Well, they dropped the ball because you still have too many hoops for them to jump through. Right. You know, and, and, and so that delegation process, I think when I encounter leaders, the areas they feel they struggle the most in are, are really communication, delegation, and motivation. Right. And when, when you start to build the, the culture up that will actually support all three of those, is you become a dynamic communicator, you delegate with a purpose, and, and realistically, you start to motivate and inspire people to achieve their personal best, it actually becomes a lot easier in trying to manage it through reports and um, statistics. You know? Because no matter what industry your audience is in, they're in the people business. Right. That's one thing we all have in common. We just have to accept that. Then we got to take our greatest assets, our people, and develop them. You know, uh, you know, we can have you back for another interview, and in fact, we may bring you back at some point here because uh, there's something else I think comes up a lot. And I know we only have about five minutes left here, but I just want to introduce this very briefly yeah. before I give you a moment to share some things with our audience. Is I have found so many times dealing with customer service departments of large companies. Yeah, I've learned the hard way not to get like furiously angry when three different people tell me three different things, or I get told the same thing five times in a row. Because sure. you know what usually happens is those same people probably still ping pong. Because on the one hand, they have the customer who is justifiably upset, who can list and the specific things that have gone wrong and accompany those specific points with the lack of any effort to fix it. I mean, an angry customer is, is one of your best customers because you fix it for them. You can be their hero for life. And That's right. Based on the one hand, they have the angry customer, and on the other hand, they have the management that either 
doesn't even respond to the emails uh, when you forward the customer issues, even though they keep saying, forward us the customer issues, we want to make this better. Or if you try and share a customer issue, management kind of just waves it off. And without saying, screw the customer, they essentially say, well, that's interesting they have that thought, but, uh, but if they don't want to be a customer, what the hell with them? Now, That's if you're right. a customer service person, are you not gonna are you not gonna be staring at your clock waiting for four thirty for happy hour? Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, yeah, and that's you know you're right. That whole concept is a is a session in and of itself. But I'll say this is that leaders transfer purpose to their teams, and a and a team member without purpose is a clock puncher. And that's exactly right. Or I like what you're saying. They're waiting for happy hour. And that's exactly right. right. And that's a direct result of of managing people rather than leading them, and leaders look for solutions. So every, you're right, I think you said it brilliantly, you know, really every angry customer or every customer that something went wrong is an opportunity for you to get better. You obviously had a hole, a gap in your infrastructure, your communication, somewhere along that that chain, and you either say, well, that's probably going to happen again, or, well, like you said, screw the customer, or whoever they're telling, <laughs> telling that to, but they're not, they're not looking for solutions. And Leaders look for solutions, and they develop other leaders and team members with with that sense of urgency to find the solution. And I'll share something with you. This is I just thought about this for your for your audience. Kind of a kind of a final thought that I had is that the area that most business leaders, most organizations miss the mark on leadership development is this: they reserve leadership development for an elite few. In the Marine Corps, everyone was trained how to be a leader. It was, it was immediately you started, you started to be trained as a leader. It didn't wait until you hit a certain position. You became a better leader because you were taught initially. And so when you have your newest recruit in boot camp learning leadership traits and leadership principles, what happens when you graduate three months later? You now have a Marine leader. You don't have a Marine manager, and you don't have an average team member. And so I would say that Anyone on this call, anyone listening to this right now, if you want to change the dynamic in your business, in your culture, share leadership techniques, strategies, philosophies, share those traits and principles with everyone on your team, not some of your team. Yes, and that is a great thinking point for us to leave off with because I want to give our listeners something to think about. So uh, so we have about one minute left here. So what I'd like to do is open up the floor. I know we have some people listening who are on the edge of their seats wanting to learn more. How can they engage with you? Well, <clears throat> they can actually go to my they can go to my website for starters, which is actually being revamped right now. Great. They can go to think think great nine zero. So it's thinkgreat90.com. And they can learn more about some of the coaching services we have, leadership development, and look at a little more of the resources like the books that we have to offer for business leaders and, and entrepreneurs. That's great. Absolutely. Well, uh, first of all, uh, let, me, let me just say, uh, Eric Thurwanger, thank you so much for taking the time with us today. This has been an experience, and it's been an education. Well, Adam, thanks so much. I really appreciate um just your intense focus on providing great resources for your for your audience, and, and I really appreciate you taking the leadership topic to the next level. This was a great call for me, too. Yeah, this is something I think so frequently gets missed, and when we were, uh, we were looking you up and uh, deciding to invite you to the show, what really jumped out at me was there are so many people out there who are confusing this management and this leadership, and we need somebody to help 
distinguish yeah. those two things because we have people managing and calling it leadership, but you know, you're neither managing nor leading. We can't have that anymore. That's right. That's right. Well, I hope I shed some light on that for your audience today. You certainly did. You certainly did. And again, thank you very much. And for everybody listening, this is Adam Homie, host of the Business Creators Radio Show. Please check out our previous and our upcoming episodes at www.businesscreatorsradioshow.com, where we help you win at the game of business and marketing. Until next time, have a great day. Take care.